Well, hello there. This is episode 43 of FI Goes PC. We are actually live in the heart of a very, very intense typhoon right now. We've made sure that our apartment is now fully converted into podcast mode. Uh, I can see everyone. Everyone's sort of a fair distance. It's a little bit unusual this time because we're actually using our clip-on mics as opposed to our yetis. But that's okay. It's all improvisation, buddy. So I am here. I'm your host as always, Rebel Zen, aka Danny Hale, with me quite a distance in in, in my uh, future, I would say. <laughs> my my straight arrow. Yes. Removing her, I don't know, basically in prayer mode and removing her beads is our producer. Say hello. Hello. That's Winifred to the people who are listening. And even further, almost in a different side of town, is the very famous, infamous to a few, Unicorn Slayer, a.k.a. Pete. Say hello. Hello. This is very unusual setup that we've got here, guys. Let me just explain to our listeners. I'm sitting in the living room of our little apartment, and uh, there are two rooms to the left and right of me, of which... Danny and Pete are currently in, so we are in three separate rooms recording this podcast. Yes, we have changed our usual format for you guys coming out of Tokyo. This will be our standard practice, but never will we, hopefully never, touch tatami, because our absence of wood. Um, Basically, this will probably be the only podcast we ever do live from a typhoon, kids. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get the chance again, hopefully. Yes, hopefully. We're going to say hopefully a lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. We've already experienced a few minor earthquakes, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we I call them bum wobblers. It's basically that's it's pretty much like a shift in your butt when you're asleep at night. But we've had a few of them. We're now in a typhoon. It's a super typhoon. It's got a Filipino name. You were saying, Pete? Yes, Hagibis. Hagibis. I'm not quite Hagibis. sure what it means. I'm afraid, but uh... I think it means speed. Ah, oh, there mm. we go. So it's only going to be quick. Mm. <laughs> but I've cancelled everything nationally and sports. There's no more Rugby World Cup. Yeah, that's on board. Rugby's been cancelled. The F1 has been cancelled for the yeah, day. Time trial. And we've been out for a bit of today. We mm. kind of did the uh, apocalyptic setup shop where you go out and grab whatever food's on the shelf and there was nothing really there, was there? No, it's all gone. All been ransacked. No deliveries today, kids. So, uh, Yes, interesting. We might you might hear some weird sounds behind me. That's traffic probably running to different parts of town. Uh, you're definitely going to probably hear wind because the more we do this, the longer we actually do this podcast, the more likely we're going to hit the heart of the storm. That's what we're all aiming for because we do like our roving action podcasts. Well, I'm just disappointed be... you didn't let me do it outside. Well, yeah, yeah, we were, we were thinking fun. about that, but our mm. electronics might have a problem, yeah. you see, because the rain is quite heavy. Uh, probably the heaviest I think Tokyo's had. Maybe a long ever. time. Yeah. Anyone who makes podcasts already thinking, wind? Mics? No. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. But I think this could be an actual international podcast first, live from a typhoon. <laughs> so uh, we'll give you a constant reports. Hopefully the windows don't fly forwards and hit me in the head. Yeah, just, just, just to point out how close we are, I think we're about two and a half hours away from the actual eye of the storm. Yeah, I think our area of Tokyo is meant to be hit at nine o'clock mm-hmm. tonight. It's now coming up to seven. Uh, yeah, so it's all it's all kind of fun right now. Yeah. It's your first typhoon experience. Obviously, I've had a few. Wind's had more than I have had. Yeah, we don't get this in England. Don't really, no. We have gale force winds and a couple <laughs> of really stupidly pathetic tornadoes, but nothing <laughs> dramatic like this. I like how you pointed out the fact that this is Pete's first typhoon, but more importantly, we're in Tokyo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're all... <laughs> yeah, we've got to mention that. We're all survived. I have said this. We are live in Japan. We have said that we are in, in Tokyo. But we haven't been here before. I'm acting like we have. We're, we actually arrived here just less than a week ago. So we've been trying to acclimatize. We've basically been doing scouting and trying to map out the areas that we want to film in and stuff like this. Very different from my preconception and somewhat the same as well. Obviously, the iconic stuff that you see is all what you know when you look at Japan from afar. But when you're actually here, one thing for me, because we were talking about preconceptions on the last episode, 
the first thing that hit me hard when I got here was how Americanized it is. Yeah. Just how, you know, the city blocks are city blocks. We were making jokes that there would only be a hop and a skip and a whatever. <laughs> but they are huge. Like, you get into the downtown areas where we had to come through all the train networks and stuff, and it was probably the most shocking element for me was how much it reminded me of downtown Los Angeles or these sort of places in America. Um, the good side of downtown might, might, might be a better way of putting it because there is a dark side. But, yeah, it was kind of mixture of um Koreatown in Los Angeles I'm just trying to set it up for people who might ever do the the first trip to Tokyo as well a lot of that a lot of sporadic areas you you really understand how vast the city is when you first experience it and it is huge isn't it yeah we've only seen a tiny part of it so far yeah very we've been in our uh, what we call the uh, Baltic triangle of uh, of Tokyo We've been staying in a triangular formation mostly. Yeah. But we've had an adventure. We'll we'll talk about that in a bit. What I want to say is, like, uh, the first thing I think when you ever come here, because it was about a four and a half hour trip, flight we used JL, big shout out to Japan Airlines. Absolutely amazing experience mm-hmm. that was. That was kind of the dream for me. As I always said, if I come to Tokyo, that's the way I want to do it with JL and it didn't disappoint it was very very cool wasn't it yeah well I am um, what I never realized is actually how far away Japan is from Hong Kong because a four and a half hour trip from the UK will actually take you off the continent yeah you know you, you can be in kind of Morocco Egypt absolutely that, in that time yeah whereas this is you know it's just over the sea yeah no, yeah, I just didn't realise just how far away it was. It's quite a hop, skip and a jump because you, you go through sort of over into China and then you drop down mm. from that area. You don't actually pass Korea, which I was thinking we would. Mm. We actually went over and then down. But the trip here was great. Oh, it went so quick. Absolutely. And it's good to report that the weather hasn't been too hot. It's been perfect. Kind of like the good English summer. Mm-hmm. Up until now, where this week we've had some build-up of rain. We've had last few days have been quite rainy. Obviously, today has been crazy so far. <laughs> uh, and we're just going to see more and more of that. But um, one thing that I thought was cool, because we, we had landed in Haneda, which is the older airport, I believe, from Narita. Usually you go to Narita, but we went to Haneda because it's closer to where we're going to be. That's Haneda, not Canada. Exactly. <laughs> The Hanada of Canada. I'd be quite impressed. Well, we would have taken a lot longer flight. <laughs> Number one, the airport was enormous. That's a mm. good state to point out. It was an absolutely massive airport. We had to take a series of 6,000 travelators, <laughs> I'd call them, uh, conveyor belts, uh, fat like a sushi uh, on a plate, uh, going down a conveyor belt uh, for a long time. About but nobody picked us. No, no one picked us. No. We left. We left at the uh, didn't didn't belong at a section. We don't want any of that Western stuff. Absolutely. And another thing that was very American, actually, because once we got through the Travelator of Doom, check-in. Now check-in was really courteous, very speedy, very, very, very good. Very yeah, it was really quick. Very efficient. But the one thing that really hit home especially when you're comparing it to America. Number one, the forms you fill out, very mm. like America, customs, declarations, all of that sort of stuff. If you ever come into America or Vanesta, it's a very similar thing to come into Japan if you're English, British citizen. Sorry, I'll include all of Britain for that. Um, <laughs> but basically, once you check through all of that, you do the whole fingerprint thing. Yes, yeah, similar, similar to America. Literally only seen in America mm. to date the only other place that does it then you have your photo taken the japanese one though was kind of cute because i think they had flowers around my face as a little border <laughs> honestly i think they did a little border of flowers i felt like i was in one of those you know arcades where you get like your pop idol you realize it was for the police and not for instagram Absolutely, right? but at least they made me flowery pete mm. that's the thing i'm trying to say to the folks at home <laughs> But it was very quick, very efficient. There was no um, deep questioning. It was yeah. All when I went into swift. America, I essentially had to tell my entire life story just to get past them. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they seem to disbelieve you on everything you say. Yeah. Are you sure you're not a criminal? Are you sure? Have you done are you anything? Sure, your first cat was called Charlie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but here, no, very swift, very uh, Asian, very efficient, very much like Hong Kong. Once you get through baggage, all of this stuff, it felt a bit LAXy. At that point, because it's more old school, like I mm-hmm. said, it's the old of the two airports. But once you get through the gate, the thing that really shocks you 
is that monorail lift because we had to take the monorail option to get into the city yeah to literally start moving around where we need to go and that trip roughly about a 40 minute trip was it uh from the airport to the apartment it should take just under an hour we took just over an hour because right. obviously we it's didn't our know first where we time. yeah <laughs> navigating <laughs> but the monorail was quite swift was that about a 50 minute trip just on that yeah 15 maybe 20 yep. max yeah. but it's it, the other thing that's important to point out is when you arrive at night and it was raining when we arrived as mm -hmm. well the arrival thing was so dark outside, essentially you don't see a lot of Tokyo. So if you do get to have your first impressions, probably better in the daytime when you can see clearly the landing and all of this, because it's quite dramatic. Series of islands, a lot of uh, reclaimed land, the airport being like Hong Kong on reclaimed land. But um, yeah, through the monorail, we were looking out and we saw there was a few islands we passed over on that, mm. Mm -hmm. which was quite incredible. A lot of the sort of office district, a lot of the depots and stuff like this were there. And Domino's Pizza. And Domino's Pizza. Classic. <laughs> That's when you know you're uh, back in civilization when you see a Domino's, isn't mm. it? Yeah. I thought it was a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, Starbucks Pizza. That's coming soon, kids. <laughs> but basically, after we got through all of that, we then started on the main link. And the monorail itself, and this is a nice thing to point out, Probably the comfiest seats on any train I've ever been on. It yeah. was like a bench fully, almost carpeted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was quite a strange thing. Honestly, it was just a train, but it was a monorail. Yeah. Like, it felt like a normal train. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but it was really higher. long. It had a lot of stops as well, which yeah. is kind of unusual, because monorails tend to be like A to B, or maybe like, you know, just a couple stops. It wasn't your Birmingham airport. Yeah, it was kind of thing. It was a bit of an upgraded maglev. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it, it was quite interesting because you had that central row of seats, mm -hmm. uh, really good for storing your suitcases. Anyone who is coming into Tokyo for the first time, it would be the optimum way of getting around, I feel. Mm -hmm. But then you start noticing the complication of the train systems. Mm. And that's the first thing you notice when you start hitting the uh, main terminus where we got to. Uh, you start seeing that there's how many separate lines in private lines? Uh, basically, there are three companies. Three companies. Yeah. And you, you get a kind of a similar thing to the, if you're in London right now, it's like an Oyster card. Mm. It's similar to the Octopus, Octopus card in Hong Kong. But here it's called a Seibu, is that right? Uh, Soika. Soika. I there say Seibu. There are two kinds of cards because, like it's I said, island. there are <laughs> there are two companies and then private yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah. So there are three kinds of railway lines, of which the JR line offers the Soika card, which is what we have. Yeah. And then the subway line offers the Pasmo card. So there are two kinds of cards, but you can use them at all the stations. Right, right, right. But you they, can't top up at all of them. That's that's, that's the yeah. <laughs> Gets complicated in that regard. I think the monorail was a private thing as well. Mm. Yeah. So that's it. Gets expensive, but not too bad. So I think once you get into the main flurry of stuff, you do, like, I think this, is it Soika? I'm going to say this wrong. Soika. I'm just going to say this wrong a thousand times. Sorry, Japan. Soika cards. I would say they're probably the best one to get. I think that's the most common thing you would get. Mm. But then you are sort of split into looking for these, the JR symbol as your default. And so... You can, as, as Wim rightly put out, use it on everything. It's a blanket payment. You can also use it on a few vending machines. It's not quite got the stamp that the Octopus in, in Hong Kong has got, but then you are dealing with a lot smaller place yeah. <laughs> in Hong Kong, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, a, that was a bit of a shocker. The other thing that shocked me was how old the um, transport systems all were. It felt like you were in either Prague or, you know, Berlin or... There was areas of Europe that it kind of felt like there was also a nod to the underground quite a lot. Mm. And we saw this quite, that was pretty much our first impression was the train system <laughs> because we were stuck there for quite a long time. When we did surface, we had to do that connection. Mm -hmm. And we surfaced and we went to what I can only describe as almost a secret alleyway, <laughs> you know. And in that secret alleyway, uh, which again... You and I felt like we were in Germany, didn't we? Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Berlin with, yeah. the, uh, with all the stuff kind of like in the arches of the train station. Exactly, all the arches there, um, not in a kind of dig bus sense, but no, something no. in that area. Mm. And then there was that one busker on the street playing yeah. his guitar, and everyone was there almost for a casual meeting. 
this is the important thing of traveling. When you see things for the first time, you suddenly see a different soul than you've ever been introduced to. And I think it's important to say that what we've done is we've kind of booked ourselves into the lesser known area. This is predominantly the mm -hmm. Selyuk of Japan. This is a student campus area. I think most people go to, you know, the the city areas, which are the yeah. main stations on the JR line. Massively mm -hmm. famous. So you'd probably find yourself uh, in Shinjuku. a hotel. Shinjuku, Roppongi, probably. Um, Ikebukuro as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. Shibuya, places like this. We are in the more kind of student area. Mm. More res residential. Very residential. Uh, Bunkyoku. So we're in a place that is... Actually, Bunkyoku is the is area. the county is the ward. Yeah, yeah. we're we're in. I don't want to say exactly where we are, so we're oh. somewhere in Bunkyoku. Sorry. It's all right. Uh, that's the uh, <laughs> unicorn slayer allergic to typhoons right yeah. there in the distance. Something I've only found out recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah never, never have you sneezed before in your life. No, nope. uh, that was your first ever one. How did mm -hmm. it feel? Interesting. Interesting. I want to try it again. Yeah, you should not do it with your eyes open though. Ah, okay. <laughs> My eyes pop out. That's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. I've just got the tailwind. I'm mm -hmm. going to say this in real time. I just got the tailwind of that typhoon, and my my uh, my bum shaked. <laughs> so that's good. A lot like a uh, an earthquake, but different different sensation. It's like a wind blowing your house over instead. It is getting stronger, isn't it? It is getting stronger, and it's going to get stronger in real time. And that's why we're doing this for mm -hmm. everyone at home. We haven't had the evacuation though. This is a nope. bit of a tangent. We haven't yet. Uh, but we might. Anyway, so the train network, that kind of made it exhausting in a way. Because, again, it was raining quite a lot like now without the winds when we arrived. And we had a lot of luggage. Not too much, but enough. And we had to drag that through a good quarter of our area. By the time we got back, we actually found our apartment. And that's pretty much when you realize the general size difference of people in, <laughs> yeah. in Tokyo. <laughs> We were always saying how small Hong Kong felt. Now it feels quite relaxed, mm. doesn't it? This place is immensely small. Yeah. Just so you guys at home have some kind of guide. Our kitchen, if you can call it that, is basically two hops. Basically a camping fire with a grill in it. It's like a combo. Pretty much standard in Japan, that. That's quite the standard old school thing it's not a lot of people do more cooking than that really unless you've got a super deluxe apartment and you've probably got an oven and stuff like this here and in hong kong too hobs are pretty much default right got a microwave nice and everything like this but the extractor fan of our <laughs> cooker literally comes up to pretty much my top torso it's mm -hmm. really low and we had a good laugh at that yeah, it's just very, very petite. And the first thing you notice is how small things actually are yeah. here. You know how small it is when it's small for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and usually I'm normal size for yeah. Asia. <laughs> and we, we've got, um, it, it's just, you know, you come in and you see that and then you're thinking, where do we put our, our bags? Within 24 hours, though, I think we're all used to it. Yeah. That's the thing that's impressive. You all suddenly get acclimatized very quickly. I don't think Japan is the city you, well, Japan is the city. Tokyo is the city. I don't think Japan is the city either. I don't think Japan is never a true word said. Uh, I don't think Tokyo is a city that you want to be in your house too much mm. anyway, because there's so, so much to do here and so much to see. Usually, I think people only spend top probably a week, maybe 10 days here traveling. Um, lucky people, probably three to, to six weeks, maybe, you know, especially with a rugby on. Mm -hmm. But Tokyo is a kind of thing that you you will never really, unless you spent 10 solid years, get to know A to B to C of it. It's literally that big. So I think everyone here carves a very digestible story. We've got an unusual situation where we're trying to do as much as we can, as fast as we can. So adjusting to the size and then realizing, hey, you know, we've now got to balance what we got to do. My first port of call as it would be for anyone who's slightly nerdy, is to take us all to Akihabara, which we have called Akibahara many a time. <laughs> it's uh, basically usually in, used in video games, and I think they switched the B and the H around just to keep it almost fictional. But it's Akihabara, very hard to say, so we're going to start <laughs> referencing it, like the locals do, as Akiba, just to keep it cool. Now, we went there the day after we'd settled in. We'd uh, 
not unpacked, but we'd kind of thrown clothes in a corner or whatever. And uh, yeah, 24 hours later, we were back out on the train systems, mm-hmm. navigating our way. Actually, we walked down. We walked, yeah. We walked to Akiba because it's not too far away. No, it took us about an hour or so, didn't it? About an hour's walk. Probably about three, four miles, yeah. would you say? And uh, Via the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, and that was your first daylight introduction to mm. Tokyo. And the thing, again, that was quite incredibly alarming, that day you're walking down, you go down the street, take a left or whatever. As you're walking down, it is, again, it's that kind of K-Town, Los Angeles flavor. It's very much big buildings, huge, massive stuff. As you're walking down, though, you start seeing the things that are very Japanese, the little lanes of suburban mm. Japan and all this stuff. Love that. Very cool. As we're walking down, we actually passed a landmark on our way to Akiba, just so I don't butcher it, which was uh, none other than, only a small little venue, the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> yeah, only a 70,000 seats yeah. at the concerts. Yeah, only it's a 70,000. Yeah, only no. 45,000 if they've got the baseball. I mean, what's that? I know, yeah. I mean, oh, it's, uh, it's quite petite, really, yeah. when you think about it's it. It's just a whole block. Yeah, well, it's probably about 60 <laughs> blocks yeah. uh, here. I was going to say, it's got it, it It hasn't just got the dome. It's an American block. Yeah. Mm. Oh, all your eateries, all your bars, <laughs> restaurants, a massive hotel. Roller coaster. Roller coaster. Well, that's what I was going to say. As you <laughs> walk up, the first thing you notice about the Tokyo Dome is the fact there's a theme park right <laughs> next to it pretty much on top of it yeah uh so you got your roller coaster your little uh weird carousel thing you've got your ferris Ferris wheel wheel, which was massive yeah has to be pointed out Mm -hmm. probably one of the biggest ones ever um and also there's that thing that you parachute from like free jumping Uh, we we, we're not 100 sure on this are we because it was um it was part of the indoor stuff yeah we only saw it from the outside but yeah i think they've got a free fall tube yeah I think it's called. So it's in. It's indoor skydiving. Well, it was advertising a ticket booth, mm-hmm. and there's one that I saw on the top that was literally like you go up on a suspended cable, and then it's sort of got like a fixed carriage with an umbrella, and you come down on that. We don't know for sure, but it could be that 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 place has like about seventy things, even indoors. Yeah. There's a Almost a horror thing that they're doing for Halloween as well, which we discovered yeah, that later. Very strange. But yeah, basically walking past it, we hadn't gone into the Tokyo Dome at this point because we're on our way to Akiba. But as you casually look at it, it's literally a day trip. Mm. Just that area is a day trip. We explored that later in a day, so we'll put a pin in that for now. But basically, as we walked to Akiba Hara, uh, Akihabara, see, <laughs> I did it again, Akiba. God, I can't even do that. Can't even do the abridged version. As you walked in, you suddenly start noticing the change yeah. in, in territory because we had to cross over by the riverside. And the riverside actually reminded me a lot like the Birmingham canals. Sorry, I need to pause. I can hear some... Right, while we were briefly interrupted by the ferociousness of a tailgate wind, (laughs) I'm guessing, uh, it's now seven o'clock, kids. We just had to pause for literally two minutes. Uh, You might pick up some of the wind. Uh, You might not. Who knows? But it's going to get progressively worse as we go on. What we were saying before we were interrupted by nature, Pete. When nature calls. Yeah. (laughs) As soon as you walk past that riverside, probably a famous one, it reminded me of a very souped up Birmingham canal system. Yeah, it did, yeah. You got the walkway by the river. It's similar to a lot of places Mm. in the UK where they're built on a riverside, but that area suddenly becomes very Japanese where you saw the stone um, sort of monolith, really. I don't know what you'd call it. The arches. The arches, yeah, yeah. It was like a little... um, I mean, I think it's essentially a uh, drainage system, isn't it? Yeah, that they've turned into something beautiful. Yeah. Typical, right? Yeah, it almost looked like, you know, the entrance to a temple or something. Mm. And there was that really interesting building right opposite that, if you turn around and look opposite. Oh, the very thin building. Yeah, there was yeah. a really narrow, strange multiplex of apartments, and next to it was a pink place with mm-hmm. a pixie on it. And you're thinking to yourself, hmm, that's interesting. So we asked our uh, resident Asian-speaking alien uh our producer, uh, what that was all about, and you said? Uh, it seemed like an acupressure place, like shiatsu or... Yeah. Yeah. 
But we Therapy. think, I think we discovered Massage. lately it could be connected to the university in some capacity, I think. Who knows? We don't speak pixie. Um, it's difficult because I can <laughs> read the kanji, but the kanji application could be different here. Yeah. So I can get the gist of it, but whether or not it's accurate, I need to look it up. And I have been learning pixie yes. to help with my unicorn slaying. Yeah. Because they are very good informants. I think pixies are good, especially in high definition, because mm -hmm. they've got a higher pixie rating. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think? Uh, the ratio of pixies is larger. High pixies, that'd be fun to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, of course. You just go to Cornwall and have mm -hmm. the right copious amount of mushrooms. Yeah. The right kind. Not your field mushrooms, obviously. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, don't do that. Anyone listening, uh, don't, don't go to... Don't get your pixies high. Yeah, don't mm -hmm. get your pixies high and don't go having odd mushrooms in Cornwall. Um, <laughs> but basically, yes. Yeah, so as we walked that curve, we saw, well, we saw loads of amazing restaurants, some that we might try out at some point en route, lots of little local stuff, and a big chain that's Japanese called Jonathan's, didn't we? Yes. Don't know why it's called Jonathan's, but it is. Probably a story there. Not a very Japanese name, Jonathan, that I know. Uh, Not as far as I'm aware. Yeah. But it's a family restaurant. It's important to know. So take your family there if you're ever in Tokyo. It looked all right. We've uh, subsequently been to one. Mm -hmm. We'll tell you about that adventure in a wee bit. But whilst you're walking to Akiba, and most people would take the train, but whilst we're walking to Akiba, and if you're in the middle of center of a ever-growing powerful typhoon, uh, you need the right attire. That's what I think. You need to wear the right stuff. You need to be seen clearly. High visibility is quite typhoon good. Typhoon t-shirts. Typhoon t-shirts. There you mm -hmm. go. Uh, basically, they sell like a storm. It's a very, very faithful and absolutely awesome series sponsor. They uh, they covered all our t-shirts in season two, didn't they, Pete? They did. Absolutely. And very well as well. Very well. We uh, we had a lot of fun with those. Mm -hmm. A lot of people like looking at us, taking pictures of them, us wearing them. <laughs> so, uh, yes, they've got loads of stuff. It's all comedy. It's all kind of funny. Funny stuff, not too serious. Very good. Uh, but very, very different. Just go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hobo bait. And you can get your Typhoon approved apparel. <laughs> it's approved for all Typhoons. And ambulances, apparently, that are in a distance, uh, but that's due to the storm. So just go there straight away. That is teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hobo bait. Thank you very much to everyone at Hobo Bait, Hong Kong based company, part of the Teespring community. Thank you very much for sponsoring us and also being fans of our show and inventing stuff <laughs> for us. That's kind of amazing. Well, I wonder if they'll do me one that just says, uh, I came to Japan and all I got was blown away. I think they could. Mm -hmm. I think we'll have to talk to their research monkeys and let them know. Yeah. Although it might be a quick way of getting home. Could be. Mm. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're on one of them uh, carousel things that are parachuted down the street at the Tokyo Dome. Well, I think I think we found out that any ride that is a bit rubbish is a carousel to you, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I, I, I have this uh, <laughs> mental block where any, you know, you go to a theme park, there's always a kid section. There's always those rides that only lame people go on. Sorry, Wynn, but that's usually you. <laughs> um, that's what I call a carousel. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't call them what they you, actually are. You confused me when you pointed at the Ferris wheel and said carousel. Yeah, it's a carousel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it is technically, but it's on a different angle. It's a different <laughs> and angle. There's no that's, horses. Yeah, there's no horse. Well, that or would unicorns. be interesting. See, that's what they should do: is develop a carousel on its side, and that'd really be quite the extreme ride, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How to scare your three-year-old? Yeah, you literally yeah. have to sit on a horse on a horizontal sort of spread. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be it. Yeah. That'd be fun, I think. I'd give that a go. Yeah. You might not live, but yeah. Be yeah. Good. Just, you yeah. know, 200 foot high horse. Mm hmm. Not mm. the actual horse. The horse would be 200 foot high. Oh, I see. Otherwise, I it'd see. be a very large horse. Now we're talking something totally mm -hmm. different. We're talking unicorns again. <laughs> right. So we went past all of that area, got into Akiba. Now, Pete is the most unknowing of this area. He doesn't really, he hasn't done a lot of research. Probably the most limited research. <laughs> of all of us. 
He doesn't watch anime, basically. He yeah. hasn't yet watched <laughs> anime. Or play certain Japan-based video games. Yeah, Japanese-based. Which I have not heard the end of since we got here. Yes, yeah, we, they're all very good. <laughs> and honestly, actually, some of them, uh, the ones that I like, were actually, you know, brought out at least... No, 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 it's a good thing. <laughs> at least six years ago. And yet here they're still relevant. That's an important sign because here things move in fashion very, very quickly in Akiba. So you get like a lot of the things that were probably out in the 90s still in the shops because they're so good. Well, it's interesting because Japanese trends are becoming global and people are just catching up. Yeah, that's the first thing you notice when you're in Akiba is how massive the world is following Japanese stuff because yeah. like literally pretty much predominantly I would say 80% of people walking the streets were international they weren't there were locals I but I think I think at the moment we are slightly skewed though because as you mentioned the rugby world cup's going on there is the rugby so there world are a cup, lot of foreign visitors but I'm in town. pretty certain that anyone who's watching rugby wouldn't go to Akihabara or Akihabara I had a few sports bars around yeah mm. but it's it's more of a that area Basically, that area is only really I don't really, really known. see otaku as sports, like hardcore f- sports fans. Though. Definitely not. Like that area is it's a weird. Mm, I don't basically, it would be the equivalent of if you had Camden in London as the entire area of the Camden market, and it specifically sold Marvel stuff. The yeah. whole area. Yeah. And then the world would turn up and see it. Like if they had some kind of Californian. Or, sorry, I should say New York. If they had a New York street that was dedicated to Marvel and the world would go there, it would be equivalent to that. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, by and large, is super famous in, in culture and in an ever-growing empire of culture. Like, if you go to any Comic-Con in, in the world right now, manga and stuff like this is predominantly, probably about 60% of the floor. Mm-hmm. And all the cosplay stuff, costume play as we like to say, grown-up talk, cosplay stuff in the world is basically a huge culture growing all over the world right now, and Akiba is pretty much the mecca mm-hmm. of that culture. Yep. Um, we did see so much, uh, like there was uh, American girls grouped up walking around in cosplay. There was mm-hmm. a couple of strange dudes. A lot of people there, I think, also going... Hold on, we've got a very weird UFO sounding sound. I think that's another ambulance or something. It sounds to me like it could be a... An alarm? Yeah. Do you want to have a quick look out? No, no, it's, it's okay. Away, yeah, I'm just, it's basically, a... we're just giving you uh, live updates of our typhoon <laughs> situation. We hearing It sounded to me like it was a dinner bell at school, where it's time oh, for the kids right. to come Let back in. Go and grab our uh, you know, daily capsule and I'll be back. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> something like that <laughs> but basically yeah just to tell people who aren't into anime culture or manga or stuff like this Akiba is a collector's gold mine it's yeah. also historically the electronics area of Japan so even before all of this stuff kicked off it was still a very famous place to get cheap gaming stuff or phone stuff telecommunications things at home kettles rice cookers that kind of stuff very much an American hangout always has been mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of our listeners who know this stuff, like all of the models that you get from animation, all of the comics, all of this sort of stuff. We also noticed in the center a groundswell of people, didn't we? There was probably, I want to say about 60,000 people in the street in the courtyard in the main part of Akiba. And they were all hunting something, weren't they? And it wasn't <laughs> a just unicorn. Just a bunch of people standing in the road looking at their phones. Looking at their phones. Yeah, I mean, we. Uh, my, my original thought was that it was bus stops or something. Mm. And that, right. they, you know, everybody had just got out of work and everybody was waiting for the bus home. <laughs> in the centre of a courtyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you yeah, obviously realised that everybody was uh, looking at their phones and uh, had a peek over somebody's shoulder. Uh, and it turns out they were all playing Pokemon Go. Yeah. And we've seen collectives around the world of people playing Pokemon mm-hmm. Go in groups of 30 at its most peak yeah. heyday. This 
was 60,000 this, this, easily. This was a bit ridiculous. It yeah. was a sea of people. It was probably at least 100 people. Well, yeah, yeah. I think it's more like 60,000 personally. <laughs> I do, I've got photographic evidence and they're all very short. So it looks like 100, but I think it's more like thousands. But what we, what we actually had was we had in front of us, directly in front of us at the Pokemon Go hunt, was one guy with about 12 phones whacking them yeah. all in sequence, just yeah. collecting them for his friends, basically. For those who uh, know anything about it, it was a Mewtwo raid. It was. And you won one, didn't I you? Did. I did. I joined in and, uh, and captured it myself. Yeah. My first impressions of Akiba was that it was pretty much two intersecting streets. Because, again, when you see photographs, that's all you see. Mm-hmm. It's a huge area. Again, yeah. a, a very massive area. Loads of different things. This is where you get the weird sort of stuff. If you don't know Japanese culture, and if you don't know animation culture or otaku culture, which is what the world calls it, uh, collector's culture, I would say, it's literally like your AD&D. If you're, if you're from our neck of the woods, it's your advanced Dungeons & Dragons type mm-hmm. comic book fan area. It's pretty much like a never-ending Comic-Con, is what I would say. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's quite incredible about this area is, again, you see made cafes. Now, a lot of people Mm. have looked at that with dubious whatever and (laughs) imprinted it. It's an innocent area. It's all make-believe and fantasy and role-play and all this stuff. A lot of the kids, and they are kids working these cafes, are in the streets promoting. I always see that as quite a sad, Mm. sad thing. But they see it, I think, as an individual, like, almost like being an idol you know to them they're getting a lot of attention so it's good for them whatever but it's a safe area that's the thing it's not a creepy weird area it's quite safe when you get to that courtyard bit that was one of the famous strips in akihabara there you go akiba (laughs) uh, where you actually across the way there was a huge one of literally billions (laughs) it felt like huge department store where yeah. each floor has you got your comic books and you got your dvds and you got mm. your soundtracks and you got your whatever then there's a practice space for idols to practice in you know this is pretty much a blueprint of what you see in in akiba so we went in there we had an explore kind of a mini explore didn't we run around see if there was anything in english yep Saw a lot of cool stuff in there, a lot of collectibles again, a lot of interesting sort of innovative ways to sell merchandise, <laughs> which is what it is from TV shows and mm. all of this an- animation. We also saw a game shop yep. and the feeling I got from the game shop, which is important because we talk about this a lot in the podcast, but it's sort of out a bit more like a museum than a game shop. There's a detachment, whereas you'd go into ours like any retail in the US or the UK, very similar, and you just go in, you know what you want, someone helps you, they guide you through it. This was like an aficionado's, almost a gourmet's experience where everything (laughs) is super, you know, like laid out and laced. They've got things going back to the 90s that you can buy still. They've Mm -hmm. got, you know, it's, it's a hell of a kind of an experience to witness most of it playing in Japanese, a lot of stuff that we won't get probably until next next year, late yeah. next year. A lot of this stuff's coming out soon here. But very much reminds you that you're in Japan. Everything's mm. really catering for the Japanese audience. Once you come out of that, we got into the stalls, sort of like, I wouldn't say the budget area of Akiba, but we kind of went through auctions where they auction models like Indies. eBay for models. Yeah. yeah. And then we started hitting the independent games and retail shops, which were mostly model shops. Got to point this out. Models of say your little anime figures mm. at certain heights and stuff like this. We had, and I wanted to just make a note. The auction shop was really weird. Yeah. It was really hard to navigate it. It was hard to see if this is a place that's selling you first hand or second hand stuff. Number one, it was a limited shop and they can literally set any price and then it goes to auction. You have to bid higher than someone else. Well, they had these slips of paper and it said, identify which box. Mm-hmm. So basically you had all of these clear boxes where they were filled with models, but you basically rent out a box and put your models yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very strange stuff. I would just call it a model auction and some of these things would go in quite high up quite expensive yeah like uh really quite high up like 2000 something like that we saw in pounds it was uh in pounds yeah 
Yeah, something like this. Mm. So it just shows you the market. Now, I'm going to point out what I was trying to point out to Pete earlier before he fell asleep because I was talking about video games. <laughs> but in that shop was pretty much Americans, like in every mm. direction. And these guys weren't your sort of typical attacker. These guys were guys, I think, that were trying to market really, really top sound stuff that in America would have a ground value of maybe 100000 so it's quite important to point that out. These places have become almost hawking shops for specialists that are coming in from around the world. It's like looking for antiques. It yeah. is. It is. Yeah, it really is. Once we'd moved past that, we started getting into the Indies, as Wynn said. And this side of things was getting really Japan now. So across the way from these stores, you had another whole street. And then you'd have like a tiny apartment block it looks like with about 27 things in each layer yeah. like weird cafes that have a theme like a pirate cafe or a wild western pub mm -hmm. or something like this and we were curious so we we looked over the street as we were walking in and out these model shops just looking just uh window shopping as you will we wanted to go to one of these western pubs which was predominantly a wild west theme wasn't it it had a yeah. cowboy hat and all that yeah. stuff Again, you kind of go into a lift, not dissimilar from our apartment, a lot smaller than Hong Kong, but I would kind of link it to something you might see in uh, Mong Kok. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. like hidden places. Yeah. We've talked about it in the past, like you can go up to a level and it's a Thai restaurant, but as the doors open, you're in Thailand. This was a case, though. It was all really streamlined, very small, and we got into a lift, went up one floor two floors something like this it opens up and you come out to an entrance of a place probably as big as our living room here not very big and it had a karaoke stage which we all stood on as we walked in <laughs> um everyone serving was female in cowboy attire which was different mm -hmm. it looked like to me a speed date in place <laughs> to me because it was just couples all coupled up well that's why i took you there yeah exactly yeah. that's that's what you were hoping for mm -hmm. But there was, this is a really important note to people in that area. There was a service charge, as in you walk in charge. and to stay there, you yep. had a cover charge. Exactly. Sorry, that was a word. And also you have a time restriction. So you're literally paying for time in this place. It's an hourly fee. Yeah. Yeah. It was all you can drink. No, yeah. it's, it's one or the other. So it's either you pay the higher price for all you can drink mm. for this amount of time, or you pay hourly and yeah, yeah. you can drink as you go along. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you were you were looking at you know a few quid to just get in the door. Yeah, yeah, it was about three three pound entry, something like that. I can't remember, but it was kind of a lot of weird sort of rules. So we took a look at each other and thought, hmm, no. So we came <laughs> back out, went back across the street, and that's when we noticed. And we've talked about Gacha. You've seen them in the UK; they exist there. It's like a bubble with a toy in it, a bit like mm -hmm. Kinder Surprise that you get from a machine, like a vending machine, you'll put in a coin, twist a thing, and it'll drop out, and you'll get one of these gacha shells, or whatever they call them. This street in Akiba was all that. There was, like, literally a whole street of yeah. these things. And they were all graded. You had some in shops, and you had some in shops where you could collect all of the set mm -hmm. by skipping on the shells <laughs> and just buying the set. Again, it's a collector's thing, especially in Hong Kong and here, more so than the UK. In the UK, it's just to mm. shut a kid up. Yeah, exactly. I will, I will point out, you've got all your normal stuff, like your Pokemon, your Kingdom Hearts, all that stuff. Yeah. And then you've got ones that are sushi. Well, this is this is thing. Garden equipment. Yeah, you saw, <laughs> you kind of see this in, in Hong Kong too. You get yeah, Bosch yeah. power drills, but yeah. the model, tiny model of that. Loads of weird, weird things. Um, the sushi thing, well, they did a whole thing where uh, in Tokyo, most restaurants have plastic models full mm -hmm. scale to advertise the food they're selling. So it's just easier to see from the outside what it's selling without having to translate it. So if it's ramen, it'll be a bowl of ramen. They did miniature versions of that in Gacha for years, mm -hmm. were quite a collectible thing. But now most of it's still licensed to all of the big anime series here most of it and one thing that i thought was in incredibly weird is we saw uh x-rated stuff like adults only yes stuff, we didn't all yeah. censored you couldn't see what you were getting mm. which is <laughs> weird and then you saw um 
I think the weirdest one we saw was something called a despair. Despair gacha. Despair yeah. gacha. Now, I thought originally that the despair gacha was it sold out. So, oh, we're despairing that there's nothing in this machine. <laughs> you thought you just put the money in and got absolutely, absolutely nothing. nothing. Yeah. There was different grades of despair, wasn't there? Yeah, there, there was. was mega despair. There was somewhat despaired. And there was absolutely suicidal at the end despair. I mean, we, you know? we had to give it a go, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Um, and what we found was... It was basically a, well, you, you explain it because you got it. It was, a, it, it was essentially the standard gacha, but it was the, it was, it was the kind of misshapes. It was the, the misshapes. that they couldn't put because it gone wrong somehow. Yeah, probably in, in the production line. Yeah, so but the paint was chipping off things, and all sorts. Weird things, though, eh? Yeah. You got a bowling skittle, was it? It was Hello Kitty. It, was a, it looked like a bowling skittle <laughs> to me. It was Hello Kitty on a skittle. Yeah. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. The, some of the paint was weird on the ears and right, stuff. Right, right, right. So basically, <laughs> it's a misshaped gadget. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if the grades are all that. Maybe it's more depressing, like one's just a big cube of plastic. I don't know. <laughs> but there's different grades, for sure. Mm -hmm. I found that quite funny, and that shows you the humor here. Mm. There's always a kind of tongue-in-cheek about a lot of things. But basically, that area was... I mean, that's an area you really got to explore. That's an area yeah. you probably take two or three days to really get yeah, your yeah. head around. As we started leaving it, we decided to take the train back that day. And on the way back, we did explore the Tokyo Dome more. We actually mm. crossed over and walked in. And it was like, the only way to describe it is like the NIA in Birmingham with a mall underneath it, a massive hotel by the side of it, a little city in itself. Yeah. Again, a full day out for all the kids. It's quite an impressive place, you know. Massively, massively important to point out that it's it's host of Tokyo's baseball team, the mm -hmm. Giants here. Huge amount of merchandise everywhere. Really big kind of, and quite an impressive amount of fan support, mm -hmm. which, again, you don't really associate too much in Asia. But obviously, Tokyo and Korea have more of the sports like baseball, basketball, and things like this, and say Hong Kong does. Again, size difference. But it's really genuinely quite... It's like going to Yankee Stadium, basically. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's got that kind of a flavor. In this area, you've also got the uh, sports halls, uh, which I might butcher, but I think it's the Haku Ken sports halls, or Kaku Ken. I don't Haku know. No, no, no. It's one of those Kaku Ken, like weird words, or Haku Ken. <laughs> I'm, I'm ruining this for all of our Japanese friends. Uh, sorry. But basically, that's nearby. You've got on one level bowling, where you can go and uh, play yeah, bowling. Yeah, yeah. On one level, it's a roller disco. Roller skate arena, yeah. Which is great. Uh, and then it's, I think there's several other things, maybe there's a few darts other things or I something. Um, I think there's live Laser darts. tag, though. Laser was. tag, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so really, it's quite impressive. All of the shops down the, the bottom are mostly food orientated mm -hmm. and you have a lot of American chains. Uh, Taco Bell we saw. We saw TGI Friday. TGI's, Denny's. Denny's. Well, we'll get to Denny's in a minute because it's <laughs> important to get to Denny's because we went to the one in Akiba. Denny's here is not Denny's in America. So if you're... A lot of people say this, especially TripAdvisor, Yelp and all this sort of stuff. They will say this. But I think it's important to note that Denny's is by name, but nothing on the menu you will recognize. Mm -hmm. Not even a club sandwich. All of it's got an Asian twist. Mostly Japanese home food, family-style food. Very affordable, though, and very good quality. Yeah. But there are a few things, even at Denny's, that are quite weird. So when you go there, you have a little button to press to call in your order. You don't go to anyone and order which I think, by and large, no one will expect that. That's quite a common thing in Tokyo. Where yeah, we found a, that in, in quite a few places. Yeah, we? well, so, it's either a machine that does everything where yeah. it's got a selection for you and you press what you want <laughs> on the machine. Luckily, most of them that we've seen are in English, mm -hmm. which is quite good. And then you'll press stuff, and then it will just basically print a receipt. You keep the receipt on the mm -hmm. table, and everyone in Japan knows what you, what you want and what everyone you do. Everyone in Japan. The whole of Japan yeah. will know what you've ordered. Danny it, has ordered ramen. Exactly. It's broadcasted on all big mm -hmm. scrolling screens around the city yep. what I've ordered for dinner that night. Danny's is old school in the sense where you get the menu and stuff, but when you're ready to order, you press the button mm -hmm. and the server comes and helps you. The weird thing that I find here 
is everything is optional bolt-ons almost. So you get your main meal and then it, you've got different options. You can have miso soup with something or connected to rice or whatever. And then the drinks, the most amazing thing to do at Denny's is to go off their drinks counter, mm-hmm. which is all self-service. A bit like a soft scoop ice cream service station in most all-you-can-eat buffets in America or a salad bar if you're in the UK, right? <laughs> it's pretty much that for drinks. Yeah. But it's hot drinks and cold drinks. And then you basically get the tiniest cup you've ever seen and you just keep going back and getting your coffees or whatever you want. It's important to point this out because when you first get there, you, in America, none of this is what Dennis is all about. Dennis is about service. You get breakfast menus mostly 24-7. All of this. Japan, it's, it's Japanese comfort food almost. So that's kind of been interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But if you if you see it, don't expect Dennis. You had sashimi at Dennis. I did. I actually had uh, tuna don, mm. which was actually really good, really good. Quite small portions for me are small, but I'm used to America and England, so <laughs> it's big enough for Japan. You don't feel mm. like you eat that much here anyway, because I think you're traveling and you're doing so much stuff that you eat less anyway. But they also do desserts. It's pretty good to just have yourself a quite a light meal and then followed by one of the famous sundays which are nothing like in america these are parfaits really but they're basically a collection of fruit ice cream cream and all kinds of weird mm. stuff jellies all this stuff a bit yeah. like the salad bars that you go to in hong kong i win mm. in a glass with Green ice, cream. Tea ice cream yeah and a lot of classic japanese desserts mm. which i wasn't expecting yeah i had anmitsu yeah. Which is like dried fruit and jelly. Um, and sweet red beans, was it, or something? Yeah, sweet red, 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 bean, red bean paste. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it also comes with a little dark syrup. And mochi. Yes. Yeah. There's a bit of mochi. Yeah. But, it, like, it's really good to explore. If you ever go to Dennis here, it's not what you think, but it's worth it. It's mm. just worth it. And if you want a safe bet, just get the hamburger set with whatever you want. They got spaghetti. They got spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite cool. It felt nostalgic. It mm. felt like a classic experience like we all related to. It didn't feel alien. It felt somewhat normal, didn't it? Walking out of that, though, now it's in Akiba, so we're now skipped all the way to Tokyo Dome. Starbucks is there. All American stuff. Taco Bell. The actual menu for TGI Fridays hasn't been touched. It's pretty much what you'd get in the UK and America. It's mm. identical. Not been messed around with. Not super japanese at all very western um not very packed actually i was surprised i thought it would be you know bought out of seams but everyone local prefers japanese stuff obviously. i think it's one of those that gets busy when there's something on at the dome because yeah, there wasn't anything be. when could we first i mean Dennis in the tokyo dome is notorious for always being packed out <laughs> probably because it's the cheapest thing on that block you know mm. Um, a lot of the imported stuff, like all of Asia, again, is more the prices we'd pay in the UK. What I will say about Tokyo, and one I found actually quite amazing here, is things are cheap for food, mm. comparatively. You wouldn't think it. You'd think everything's mm. quite crazy. Yeah, for a capital city, it's not that bad at it's all. It's not bad at all. I mean, it's not quite Hong Kong prices. Yeah, yeah. Which was very cheap. Yeah. Except the drinks. Mm. The drinks yeah. here are really cheap. Yeah, and we're talking alcohol mostly, but I think coffees and teas and stuff are yeah. fairly mm-hmm. affordable here. Mm-hmm. But you don't get them as a default option here. Like um, in Hong Kong, you might get a cup of Lipton tea or something with your meal. Oh, included with yeah. it, yeah. yeah There's no, always yeah. ice water, always. Yeah. But you can get your extras, whatever. So, yeah, as you can see, we've already had a massive adventure. This is only <laughs> sort of part one of our trip, day one, really. Mm. We came out of the Tokyo Dome, headed back to our place... And we found something quite incredible, which was an underground bar. Mm-hmm. That's what's what's the term for that? Uh, it should be an izakaya. So it's izakaya. like you can get small snacks and yeah. drinks. Yeah, pretty much a sake bar, mm. uh, but you know beers and stuff like this. That literally looked like you were on the set of Kill Bill to me. And <laughs> yeah. it's it's part of a chain, <laughs> but it was literally that's what you you're all in sort of separate booths. Mm-hmm. with all of the traditional Japanese stuff. You can take your shoes off, you can kneel on, there's kneeling areas and things mm. like this, low tables. Absolutely crazy, amazing place to go and eat. Like, just, 
like one of those all-time good tapas bars of Spain, all-time yep. good place in France that just serves you like mouthfuls of stuff, whatever. This thing was just, it was just local for local people. Though. It was really cool. And very good. Yeah. And again, a press button and order mm. whatever you got. Most places here, and this is another thing that, that hit me, have English menus. Yeah. Which I think is relatively new. And I think that's probably because of the World Cup of Rugby and definitely mm-hmm. in lieu of the Olympics coming soon. Yeah. But basically, there's a lot of preparation and nothing's that awkward, really. It's awkward if you try and say things in Japanese and they think you're an alien. But <laughs> by and large, local life, you can cover it. It's pretty mm-hmm. easy. Well, it's slightly awkward for me because they look at me assuming that I can speak Japanese. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because we, we, well, this is the thing, like, these places, like, uh, the the place we're talking about now, is literally, you get a menu, you press a button, service comes, you point at pictures, and off you go, right? Most things are described, and I think if you, in if even if you find yourself in a place that isn't, Google Translate helps you, just mm-hmm. scan the page, and it will give you a loose <laughs> translation. Nothing's too complicated here. I have to say, my very basic knowledge of Japanese being the alphabet has come in handy. Massively yeah. helpful, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you, I mean, like, even if you've got, like, some kind of knowledge of food and cuisine and stuff like this, it will help you. It goes a long way, especially because most food places are themed to a particular thing. So it's either a small plate restaurant, a family restaurant, or it's like your, you know, katsu place, or mm. your ramen place, or your udon place, or your soba place. All of this stuff. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I suggest you look it up. So, yes, yeah, soba is a uh, addition, not for the uh, AA. Yeah, and it's not for the morning <laughs> after a great night out at mm. a sake bar either. It's just soba noodles, kids. So. We're going to give you a little bit more of day two. We are probably going to have to wait a while before we start filming. We're looking at decent weather. Obviously, we've come at the winter splash of uh, the the fally autumn here. Uh, So rain is, it's basically English weather, but a lot hotter, Mm -hmm. I would state. We're going to wait for this typhoon to blow over, as uh, it might or it (laughs) might not. Basically, we've got to split these things down, introducing we will be filming soon, definitely next week. I would say we'll do a two-parter because this is really intro day one. We've only gone to Akibahara or Akihabara or Akiba. (laughs) Uh, We've also gone to the Tokyo Dome at this point. We also, I did say on our first night here, we were struggling because things shut early. And this will be our wrap-up, really, but things shut early here which I'm not used to because of Hong Kong, and things do shut down probably about 9 o'clock. A lot of things are yeah, shut. Yeah, I mean, you've still got your, your 7-Eleven and whatnot, the yeah. 24 hours, Well, even, even McDonald's was shut at 11, yep. right? So we landed here, we got all of our bags up, and we went out thinking, oh, there'll be a thousand options. There mm-hmm. was pretty much nothing except for, thank goodness I play a certain breed of Japanese video games that you fell asleep on. There you go. Because I found there was a... It's sort of like a Don shop, which is rice bowls with toppings. Mm-hmm. This is famous for kind of basically Yoshinoya-style stuff, beef on rice uh, or curry or whatever. It's kind of, again, a local fast foody kind of place. They are super popular in Tokyo. There's loads, I've noticed. But that was the place we first really understood the button push in order. Well, that was a machine, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like and a vending place, machine. That place was incredible. <laughs> It was really? lovely. I had, I had like a hamburger. You had a hamburger curry, curry sauce and yeah. rice. It was, but the, it was stunning. The quality of these yeah. places are ridiculous. When you're in Hong Kong, it's like a form of this sort of stuff. It's never as good quality. But in Japan, props to people here. I don't think we've eaten anything bad yet. It's The no. quality is so good with the stuff you do get that it's important to state that. And we will then talk about... So that's our local thing. We will talk about our part two and day three and four here next time if we actually have a house left Mm -hmm. and it's not been torn away by a typhoon we will discuss with you many many things like our time in kabukicho and shinjuku and also ikebukuro is that right ikebukuro yeah yeah Mm. thank god i said that right if we haven't been transported to oz yeah we might even be blown white by there blown away to America by then. Because we have got a lot of Toto things around. 
We do. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of Toto uh, sinks yeah. and urinals mm-hmm. and toilets and things. And so if we do go to Oz, it's a whole thing. We should actually mention our uh, all singing, bowels whistling toilet, but we'll do that. We'll do that next time. Uh, our so, Samsung toilet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our day one, which we've covered, you know, local area in Bunkyo, uh, including Akiba and the Tokyo Dome. There is so much more to say. Obviously, this is jam-packed. We're all still a bit wrecked and we're in a typhoon. So I think our listeners will forgive us if we have a somewhat early wrap-up and bring our, well, our adventures to close before Mm -hmm. we start filming. Next week, thanks for listening live from Tokyo. Hope the uh, sound's been okay. It's all experimental (laughs) in our makeshift sound booth here. Yes. (laughs) We'll speak to you again next week same time same place next week uh over to winter the wrap-up subscribe to fia gets tubed on youtube for access to all project fia episodes and extras as you know you can find our podcast on all the major platforms including itunes spotify google play podbean and soundcloud ask us questions and drop us your comments via email our address is projectfia.rebelrated at gmail.com and of course we are also on twitter our handle is projectfia.com